0: and how you play it, all about control And if you can take it, all about your debt And if you can pay it, it's all about pay And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am control, no way you can shake me I am heavy debt, no way you can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a Cleveland Bench from a smoking gun I am the game, and i may the rules. So move on out, you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, circle, why don't you ask me? don't you forget there's
1: a price you can pay because i the and i want to play tfa fam what is up what has happened we're back again this week we're going to be talking about the senior bowl just wrapped up last week and we're going to do a little bit of dino talk here this week maybe some buys and sells first as always we have cody kutzer rocking with me and then we got DeBro joining us fresh off his trip his bender down at Uh, the senior bowl. Um, the the first question I do have to ask is how much alcohol was consumed, and rumors circulating that you drank the town dry. Can you confirm or deny?
2: Um, I'm not gonna say that I did okay, never mind. I did. Uh, it was a good time, man. I mean, basically, when I'm trying to pull my best deuce daily, and the only time I leave the bar is to go to practice and go right back to the bar, you know, it's a good time. By the way, yes, that was that was deuce daily. Um, uh, last year's senior bowl. I never saw a night at beats where deuce was not also there like toasting up. And I don't think I saw him outside of there, outside of practice. That sounds like a hell of a time. It is. It is. What? Hey man, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Same rules apply for mobile. Just saying. Yeah. So anyways, DeBro
1: bro. George is from fantasy pros. He has excellent work over there. You can be sure to check out his work over at fantasy pros. Uh, you know, I mean I wouldn't check out his DFS stuff because he's wrong a lot.
2: You know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh my god, I thought you got all your uh your little jabs out last night after two hours of DFS talk, Kev. You saved a few. No, Stop. I mean you're
1: you are on the Never other side, I mean. uh this is Super Bowl week, and you are on the Eagles side, so you can, as they say, <laughs> get fucked.
2: <laughs> is that what they say? Is that yeah. is that that's, what they
1: say? That's that is exactly what they say. Around these parts, Um, around these parts. (laughs) Oh God! All right. So before we get started, before before we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing, I do wanna. We're we're starting to do a little little question of the week. So I'm just gonna hit you cold with it. We're gonna do top five sports movies of all time. Doesn't have to be football. It has to be sports movies in general. What's your top five?
2: Oh my lord, that's a good one. All right. Number five has to be major league that has to go into the top five. Okay. Um, number four rookie of the year, um, has to also be in there. Number three, the program. If anybody has not seen the program, you're missing out. It's absolute fantastic. Eighties college Heisman drama. It's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, Number two, the replacements. Anytime that I can get some Keanu Reeves under center, I have to. And number one, oh golly, this is um, damn it. Do I go with a classic or do I go with something newer? Like I'm in between two different things. Um, no, nah, screw it. I'm gonna. I know what I'm going with. Um, if I could just remember the freaking name of the movie. <laughs> um it it escapes me right now um shoot al pacino is the head coach come on give a sunday yes there that's number one i was in between that and field of dreams but i was like to be honest if i've got to sit down and i gotta i gotta pick one of those two movies to watch for the entire day without like ever stopping I could do that with any given Sunday. I'd probably peter out around like the second time watching field of dreams. So nice. I almost consider it also for love of the game. I'm a, I love baseball movies. Like, uh, I pitched all the way growing up and stuff like that. So that movie was like, hit me hard, man. Like just like the behind the scenes, even though I know it's a Costner movie and cinematic wise, it's probably not great, but still
3: Cody probably going to piss. A lot of people off just because like I, I I first of all let me just say that I haven't seen like Remember the Titans and any given Sunday, so I'm I'm sure. Please I'm tell me you're out. not
2: picking the longest yard. No,
3: I haven't. I haven't seen. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen that either. I, oh, I, I Kev, I don't know why you started with this question. Whenever you know how I am with movies, but i think I feel like you're setting me up for failure. Oh, right he's here. setting you up. This is a total setup. <laughs> this is so a total I, setup. I, I don't know about... I'll just throw out five movies. Not not necessarily ranked, but Major League has to be in there. Definitely. Major League is definitely one of them. Uh, Sandlot. Let's go with oh, the Sandlot. Oh,
2: good pull. Damn it, now I feel like I need to put that in my top five.
3: White Men Can't Jump. Okay, I feel it. Happy Gilmore. Can we go with Happy
2: Gilmore? Nice. Yes, that crosses over, yeah. Little Giants. Oh, damn man that's a good top five i gotta feel there we go <laughs> i'm a little bit jealous right now like sandlot and little giants are freaking classics dude like they age well like there's there's no way you can't watch that i don't know another 10 or 15 years from now and be like wait a minute besides like what type of cell phone they're using you're like oh this is cool yeah that
1: is that, that is a little giants is an excellent
2: bubble bubble ruski such there's so many annexation of puerto rico i still remember the the scene out of that movie when he when they went and they they found the quarterback i forget what his name in the movie was but he was chucking like toilet paper rolls down the damn aisle in the grocery store i was like that's really cool man i'm gonna go chuck some toilet paper rolls down (laughs) an aisle yeah
1: so mine uh is sandlot which uh excellent very good very good and then i have coach carter
2: Oh, that's a good. That was on last night. I actually caught the end of that. Then I have Major no
1: League. One. Major League has to be in there.
2: Has to. Are you
1: saying Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was literally Dude, just gonna say that.
2: <laughs> I use the I use the Eddie uh, or the Wesley Snipes gif when he or um the, the film clip when he gets every training camp year when we're thinking some guy's gonna get cut. I use the <laughs> I use that film clip when his bed gets put outside, and then he's like. Oh shit! I've already been cut, and then he just takes off running.
1: Yeah, that is a I, it's it's so good. It's One and good. two are, are are both really good. <laughs> yes, um, agreed. And then I have remember the Titans. You have to. Have, I mean, yeah, just, it's that's a good call. Iconic. And then going on a little off the off the beaten path. Draft Day. I don't know why. I just love that movie.
2: Oh, dude, it's a guilty pleasure for me too. <laughs> like people are like, I only watch it like when it's Draft Day around Draft Day. I'm like. I kind of secretly watch it all the way throughout the year. Like, and I'm not, I don't, (laughs) I mean, it is what it is, man. Um, especially after you realize that it's Chadwick in the movie, like uh, that just, that seals it for me. Yeah. That movie's a guilty pleasure. And I went David goddamn Putney. You pancaking eating.
1: (laughs) I just think it's really Kevin Costner. I mean, he, he is such a a terrific actor. So gotta love him. So anyways, well, some good lists. Some good lists. Mine was clearly superior. But uh, the, other, the other ones were not bad. That's you. yeah, yeah Always. Uh, so let's just go ahead and let's get right into the Senior Bowl. Okay? I felt like, at least with, with the Senior Bowl, I don't think there was as much hype around some of these guys as like mm-hmm. heading into it that we normally get. But I feel like we came away with, uh, it feels like the biggest standout. Or let me ask you this. You were there. Uh, who was the biggest mm-hmm. standout while you were there? And why is it Tajay Spears?
2: I mean, it's really, if you were looking at the two guys that probably put up the most headlines um, throughout the week, it was either Tank Dell or Tajay Spears. And honestly, like I, I said this on the podcast that Thor and I did for Fantasy Pros uh, that you could still listen to on the Dynasty feed right now. Uh, through our top 10 takeaways, Tajay Spears was one of the biggest risers. You, you could easily make a case that he made himself the most money out of any player at the Senior Bowl the fact that this guy on Tulane's website was listed between 190 and 194 over the last two seasons, how many times, guys, do we come out and we actually see a running back come out to be heavier than what we thought? It's never like that. They're always lighter, they're shorter, they're slower, whatever. You never see a guy come out and like, well, damn it, like his comps. When it, when I walked into the week for Tajay Spears, my comp for him was Kenyon Barner. Because he was freaking 190, 194. And I'm like, he might play at 189. I don't know. He might play at 190. Who knows? And so I was like, you can't list a high end comp for this guy because that uh, just alone being below 200 pounds is going to put him, if he somehow does walk away with like a good fantasy season. It's not going to have staying power. Like you can lay them on like one hand, the last guys in the th- like, 10 15 years in fantasy that have put up multiple seasons of fantasy below 200 pounds at the running back position. Like you'll get your Duke Johnson's, you'll see like you know various guys that like pop out of the woodwork, like CJ Spillers, but they never have staying power. And so to see Tajay coming at 204 and then throughout the entire freaking week, he's putting dudes on skates and one on ones. He's He juked a freaking linebacker into the damn shadow realm on one of the routes, which is was all over Twitter for like three days, deservedly so, because it was nasty. Like, everybody in the crowd there, all the media members, as soon as Tajay planted his hand in the ground and went the opposite direction, we were all like, oh, God! Ah, just, you see that? You see that? It was awesome. So, yeah, I think that he... He probably made himself the most money. But if it's not him, I think it's Tank Dell. Um, But Tank Dell, you can't put him as the biggest winner of the week because the concerns are still there. Like, again, if he hits, he'll be a massive outlier just because of his size. Like, being in the 160s, you got, like, a short list of, like, you can count on one hand. It's like Deshaun Jackson and Marquise Brown. And if he's not one of those two dudes, then he's probably not going to be very good at the NFL, like from a fantasy perspective.
1: I mean, I, I guess with, with Spears, I guess you know, outside of the, the the size concerns, like I mean, he I mean, he balled out. Like, yes, it was too late, but he oh, still yeah, played dude. against he some really, uh, you know, really good Power Five schools. Obviously, in the Cotton Bowl, he absolutely annihilated USC, yeah. seventeen carries, two hundred five yards, four touchdowns. But even I mean, if you look at some of his advanced stuff, he was fifth in yards after contact per attempt. Yep, and he was twentieth in missed tackles force and twenty eighth so in yards per outrun. So I mean, there is a lot to like here with his profile, and then the fact that he comes in you know, at his size, like, uh, at his size, like, I mean, I think maybe he could have some sort of like an Aaron Jones type of, you know, a production profile at the next level, depending on his draft count. But even, even Aaron Jones was not a heavy draft. I know. mean,
2: my comp for him, Kev, was Michael Carter with, with the jet pack. Like he's Michael Carter with more raw speed. And um, to your point about the deeper metrics, when you're standing there with a career 4.54 yards at contact mark, and you have a breakaway run rate for your collegiate career that's at 48.9%. Like <laughs> those are those are damn good numbers. You usually don't even see guys hit that maybe in one season for those two marks, much less that's his career marks. So yeah, he could
3: freaking play. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh Michael Carter because Today was the first time I started like really looking at uh, looking at film with these guys and I was watching him I was like reminds me a lot of Michael Carter like mm-hmm. does like he's not going to like really like wow you with a lot of shit but he's just like really really solid across the board for being you know 5'9 204 I thought he had uh good contact balance like he's not afraid to lower his shoulder he's not just like an outside zone like stretch play kind of running back either he can run inside has good patience, good vision. Um, I don't think he has like fantastic breakaway speed, but like he has really good bursts and he can get to that high gear quickly.
2: Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, and, and this is why I think it's so pivotal to go to these events, like to go to senior bowl and being there for the second year in a row is like the, the kind of things that you pick up by actually being there. It's like last year throughout the process, I was immensely high and nobody was freaking moving me off the mark about Christian Watson. When I left senior bowl, I was like this freaking dude did not lose a one-on-one in the entire damn week. He was awesome. Like he put his stamp on it and he was the freaking dude and you need to come through him. Now in this one, I, I could say that you could have said a lot of the things like about Tajay Spears, but the thing that I walked away from it and I was like, I was glad I was there because on film, he looks like he's got a leaner, more narrow build. That guy that I saw at Senior Bowl did not match up with the film in the, in the sense that his legs are freaking stacked, dude. Like, he is not like got, like, toothpicks for legs. He isn't one of these running backs that you look out there and you're like, You're God. Like, he looks like one of the freaking wide receivers. Like, what are we doing here? Tajay Spears, I walked past him, and I thought he was either like one of the cornerbacks or one of the safeties. He turns around, and I was like, oh, crap, that's Tajay Spears. Good Lord. He's got calves for days. Like, this might be as big as my damn thighs. So it's good to see, Vernon a guy that you're like, okay, he crests the 200-pound mark. He's not 215. He's not 210. He's probably going to play at it. And he actually told Thorne Eystrom, um, at the media breakfast that he bulked up for this so he can weigh in and show teams that he can carry more weight and still be explosive, but that at the, in the bowl games, he was playing at 197. So for us, he checks the box. Maybe he gets to a better strength program and he's playing above 200 consistently. But what I wanted to see was this dude's freaking built. So maybe he does add a little bit more br- tackle breaking ability than maybe some of the things we even saw at Tulane at the next level.
1: And I, I know there was a, another uh, running back that you came away high on, um, Ooh, Evan baby. Hull,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that, that you really like. Came in at 5'10, 214 out of Northwestern. Um, you know, I, I think his numbers, I think, you know, maybe, but my question with him is like, do you think he's more of just like a third down back? Because, I mean, in terms of just his raw efficiency numbers, 160 yards, 160th in yards after contact per attempt. He was 34th and missed tackles fourth, but he was top five in yards per outrun um, mm-hmm. per PFF. So uh, how do you view him and what did you, and, and did he impress you at, uh, you know, at that Cedar Bowl?
2: Yeah, so the thing about Evan Hole, and I want to give some context, because me and Brett Whitefield from Fantasy Points were kind of like going back and forth, all jabbing with each other the entire week. He wasn't very high on Hall. I freaking love Evan Hole. But when he was bringing up and we were talking about his yards after contact per attempt, if you look at, yeah, 2022 um, for all running backs uh, with at least 100 carries, there were 168 backs. Yeah, he was 122nd. These numbers are not good. But if you go back to 2021, he was top 40 in, in damn near every metric. Like He was top 40 in yards after contact per attempt. He was top 40 in elusive rating and breakaway run rate. So I think some of that, considering especially it's Northwestern, if you look at their adjusted line yards, their offensive line has been total dog water the last two years. They haven't had any kind of receiving threats come out of that team. The the, the offense is specifically garbage, and basically you know you're going to get one heaping dulce, dose of Evan Hole. And so I think a lot of that is really teams this year stepping up and saying, look, like, we're going to load the box because ain't nobody else going to freaking beat us on this damn offense outside of Evan Hole. Because we saw the previous year, his tackle-breaking metrics were good. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, They were jump off the page elite, like somebody like Tajay Spears or other backs in this class. But does Hull check the box from tackle breaking metrics for me? He does. And I think when you're also watching film, the thing that is going to, I really hope it does not get glossed over in this whole entire process. Hull was seventh in yards per route run last year. He led all FBS running backs in receiving arts. That's better than Jameer Gibbs. That's better than Kenny McIntosh. And a lot of different places that they're going to talk about the receiving backs in this class that deserve love, you're going to hear Kenny McIntosh's name brought up. You're going to hear Jameer Gibbs's name's brought up way before Evan Hall, although Evan Hall just put up a fantastic season as a receiver and led the damn nation in yardage. So I think Evan Hall is every bit can be a three down workhorse at the NFL level. Um, everybody down there at senior bowl. And I kept having this conversation. Everybody's like, he's slow. And I was like, we are watching a different running back on film. I don't see a guy that's a home run blazer, but to say he is slow is, is I think disrespectful to Evan Hall because he has enough juice to get around the edge. He can pull away from run, uh, linebackers in space. You see a second gear, which some guys are one-speed runners. That's fine. That's not Evan Hall. He's not a one-speed runner. You see, and I've got multiple uh, film clips on my timeline because I'm just, I love the guy. And I think that he is going to be a riser in the process. I think that, uh, I I interviewed him at media breakfast and he said, I was like, look, come on, man, give me the dirt. I want to know what your 40 is going to look like because I'm hearing out there that people think you're not going to run fast. They're saying 4'6". I think you're a 4-5 or five guy. And he's like, the 40's going to look beautiful. Just just rest assured. I'm going to run a 4-4. Four four. I don't know if I think he's going to run a 4-4. Four four. I still think a 4-5. But if he runs a freaking 4-4, four four, he's 5'10". He's 2'15". He's the size of a workhorse. He's proven it two years in a row that he could be a workhorse at Northwestern. If this guy had gone to a freaking SEC school, more people would be talking about Evan Hall, and they're not.
1: He sounds like Shane Vereen what he sounds like.
2: Uh, if Shane Vereen was bigger and actually good at running the football, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Evan Hall, the thing about it is when you turn on the tape, his lateral agility and his footwork is awesome. Like He is one of these guys that like, for his size, you're like, holy shit, he could make somebody miss in a phone booth. Um, and I think one thing, if people want to go to Twitter and check out something that that if you're putting two two guys right next to each other ray garvin so ray gq out on twitter took a great video of footwork drills between evan hall and chase brown chase brown a lot of people are out there and they're like he's fast it's how he wins he's going to be he's going to test super fast if you look at that drill i can make you a really good conversation that evan hall looks every bit as fast as chase brown in that video if not faster with his footwork everything
3: you were saying about Evan Hall just reminded me of a lot of what we heard about Justin Jackson also coming out of Northwestern in terms of no other playmaker stacking the box. You know, Justin Mm -hmm. Jackson was what a thousand yard rusher every single year. Jackson's a
2: baller. He just he's never been able to
3: stay freaking healthy. Reminds me a lot, and it's funny, Kev. You you mentioned because I was like, what? Like, what did he run? He ran a 452 and on player profiler Shane Varine.
2: <laughs> well, Justin the other Jackson part about football. it is Justin Jackson, how much does he weigh? He was in the 190s. He was 190s. Yeah, 193. Yeah. He was in the 190s. That's where we're looking at about a 20 pound weight difference right. in those two guys and Evan Hall. And I mean, I, I just, I like the guy, man. I think that once he tests well at the combine, I think that more people are going to talk about him. Um, and I think that he's going to be a riser and I'm not saying that he's going to get into the freaking second round, but I think that if he tests well at the combine, he has a good pro day and builds off of, cause he even played well in the freaking senior bowl, man. He read, he led all rushers in rushing yards. He broke off two or three really good runs. I just think he's going to be a guy that honestly could get into the third round and a team could fall in love and in love within the process because, I just see three down guy. I see workhorse, um, and he has all the intangibles you're kind of looking for. That, that were, you there any, uh, were
1: there any? Were there any wide receivers that that uh, really stood out to you that you that, that you were impressed with, or I guess like, even on the flip side that you were uh, not impressed with?
2: Yeah. So on the wide receivers, I mean, I think Tank Dell. I talked about him. He got open at will. I mean, I think that he's going to be if he gets. I won't be surprised and, and I know this is gonna sound insane. I won't be surprised if Tank Dell gets drafted in the second round. And the reason I was saying that is because if you look at the last two to three draft classes, we've had undersized speedsters two-two that Atwell. heavy tutu Atwell. You also have Rondell Moore, and you also have um Andy Isabella over the last three to four seasons that have been drafted in the second round, had had questions about their um whether it was their size, their profile. But, I mean, if you just look at the, the numbers, Tank Dell checks a lot of boxes. Like, if we, we did not know his size, he was 160. Like, over the last two years, he's been um, 11th and 12th in PFF receiving grade amongst all wide receivers of 50 or more targets. Last year, he was 27th in yards per route run. So... I think if we're looking at, yes, the league runs a crap ton of zone coverage, even your man-heavy teams in the NFL are still predominantly zone coverage. So I think that Dell fitting into the slot for an NFL team, I thought he had a fantastic week. Um, I think low-key. So Puka Nakua is a guy that I loved walking into the process. Um, I think the only freaking reason Jaron Hall even got a cup of coffee at the damn Senior Bowl was because of Puka Nakua. He is... I mean, my comp for him is Dollar Store Debo. This dude is a beast. He got rushing work in college. He's been sixth and second in yards per route run over the last two seasons. And he's a monster after the freaking catch. He's got good body control to the boundary. Um, again, and I talked about the rushing utility in college. He had 9.2 yards per carry and five rushing scores in 39 carries. So you're looking at a guy that, Teams are looking for somebody that could be that next type of Devo player. Can we give him four to five rushing attempts in the game? Three in a game. And you're getting a little bit of that boost in fantasy. Puka Takua, I wish we would have seen more of him at the the Senior Bowl. He was only there for one day, and then he left, peaced out. Which basically means to me is that his agent said, look, <laughs> we ain't we ain't risking this, baby. Your draft Your draft stock is good enough. You don't have to ball out for these guys. Let's go. Let's zip. Alec Pierce did the same thing last year. I saw Alec Pierce, uh, who went in the second round. I saw him in the damn airport, and they were like, oh, Alec Pierce is leaving with an injury. I saw Alec Pierce leaving the airport. Uh, looked like he was walking just fine, but he was listed with a foot injury. So, you know, have it what you will. But I think Nakua had a good uh, a week for while he was there. He showed good short area agility. What I wanted to see out of him was fluidity on – routes where he had to break down and break back to the ball. So comebacks and curls, he flashed that. He showed that to me in limited reps on one day of practice. Um, But the other guys that you could say were definite winners um, from the week were Jalen Reed, who honestly, entering the process, I looked at him as more of like a Z receiver, uh, field stretcher guy, had some pump return, return utility in college. Um, He showed out well. I thought he showed more – nuance to his routes and i gave him credit based off of his his collegiate film um i'm just going down the list of guys that i wrote up in my primer to see i want to make sure i'm not listen missing anybody that that just deserves some love here um dotavian wicks also flashed a little bit um i think his route running stood out to me because again i i comped him to leonard hankerson like he's just a guy with immediate acceleration he was used a ton on um deep routes uh in college in 2021 His eight dot what was eighth amongst all receivers with 50 or more targets and then they moved him down in the next season and made him a short area guy and you saw a lot of his numbers dip so I'm curious what role he's gonna have at the NFL but I think he had a really good week um if you're looking at other guys that stu- stood out um I think Michael Wilson possibly had the week that everybody coming into the process loved to talk. There was all this talk entering the week about Rasheed Rice being the best wide receiver that was down there, that he's going to go top 50. He maybe has the ability to like blow it out and go in the first round, like the back end of the first round. And I'm like, I didn't see that out of Rasheed Rice. I didn't see it on this film. I didn't see it what I was down in senior bowl. And for a guy that's getting that type of love coming into the process, I'm like, then go to the senior bowl and show out, show you're the man, show what Christian Watson did the previous year where you went and you were just putting dudes on skates. I didn't see that out of Rasheed Rice. But if you're asking who had the, like, honestly, the one of the best weeks out of wide receivers. And I think honestly helped himself the most was Michael Wilson. Like this guy had injury after injury coming from Stanford. Um, even, you know, the year before he really hasn't had a chance between battling through injuries to show what he can do. But if you look at a per game basis over his last 11 collegiate games over the final two seasons, he was there. He did manage uh, four games with 2.2 or higher yards per out run. Now looking at that type of upside or at least single game ability, because again, we only have a small sample on him because of injuries. I was really surprised what I saw out of Michael Wilson. Um, especially not having any kind of film to watch on him before the process. The whole week, he got open and showed enough um, gear down and ability to sink his hips to, I think, separate well enough on short area routes, and really where you saw him win was using his body, using his size to get inside of cornerbacks so they couldn't steal leverage, couldn't undercut his routes on slants and stuff. I thought he did well with that, and he had multiple uh, deep routes where you saw him display better route running than maybe any of us thought coming in. He had good pacing in his routes. You saw subtleties and head fakes and things like that. He had one deep post where I was like, oh man, like that's the kind of stuff you want to see out of the best guy that's here. Um, So I thought Michael Wilson really put himself on the radar. If he goes and tests well, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up falling like early day three, sneaks into the fourth round for a team. Because if you're looking for like wide receivers in this draft class that have size, it's a short list, and it's a short list of guys that can be explosive and maybe can be difference-makers at that size in this class. So I think Michael Wilson, like my comp for him right now is Gabe Davis. I think that he could fall into similar draft capital. It just depends on what he puts up at his pro day and at the combine for teams. I think there were a
3: couple tight ends to mention with Luke Musgrave and Payne Durham. Was there anyone else that that stood out to you at, at tight end, DeBro?
2: No, I mean, to be honest, Cody, um, this I, I said it the whole week. I was like, Musgrave's got a lot of raw talent and intangibles. Maybe you look for as a raw prospect, but what I saw out of him was just inconsistency for days, man. He'd have a really good day of practice. The next day he looks like crap on his blocks. Um, he's dropping pass after pass. So he's a guy that I think like consensus is gonna be higher than me. You know, enter in the process. I'll probably have to go revisit him and just play the whole, like, what the hell am I missing here kind of game. But I, I, so I am definitely not as high on Luke Musgrave as a lot of people. I really thought that this tight end grouping um, at Senior Bowl was a lot of tight ends. And the hard, the hard thing about it with these guys is for our purposes in fantasy and dynasty and stuff like that, like you you can kind of look at these guys and say, okay just from an athletic measurable standpoint, I can lop off half of these dudes and saying, okay, you're not going to be relevant in fantasy if your short area agility sucks, if your speed score sucks, and if you run above a 4-7. Basically, the the list of fantasy-relevant tight ends that have run above a 4-7 over the last 10 to 15 years, it's like Kyle Rudolph and if Isaiah Likely pans out. And that's basically it. Like, you have to, like check those box boxes from the tight end position from an athletic standpoint. And yeah, I mean, I think Luke Musgrave does check those boxes. I didn't see a ton out of him. Like I think that he has enough athleticism to stretch the seam. I don't think he's anything special as a blocker. So I think you're looking at a guy that I think, especially coming in, in his rookie season is going to have to honestly, maybe plays a part-time role. I think that he could have that type of slow transition. We're talking about, for tight ends going to the NFL, where it's like, if he hits, it's not going to be probably year one, maybe not year two, maybe year three he has, like, you know, a a fantastic season. But a guy, again, that I think I'm going to be a little bit lower than consensus on, Payne Durham had some um, good days, like, towards the end of it, um, in red zone drills, using his size, posting up really solid hands. But outside of those two guys, I mean, like, there's just not a lot of guys that like I think are going to be fantasy producers. Watching them on film, looking at their metrics, like I mean, it's hard to get excited about a guy like Josh Weil, who was there out of Cincinnati. Uh, his yards per route run over the last two years have been 83rd, 37th. You look at Davis Allen, uh, he was used 43% of the slot from the slot in college, but he was 32nd in yards per route run, and the list goes on and on. Um, one guy that I was at Thor is not really high on this tight end. I like his athletics, but I think he's, we're going to see similar. Maybe he tests. Okay. Um, but he's probably not going to be a ton as a receiver in the NFL. Will Mallory put up good, uh, receiving numbers in college at Miami. Um, 12th in PFF receiving gates or grade, uh, seventh in yak, uh, in 2022, but, Again, I I think he's a god awful blocker. I think if he hits it's going to be some type of, you know, is he going to be a big slot Mike kaseki type for a guy that I mean he was 40 46 to 40 or sorry, 46 to 53% in the slot uh in his, in 2020 to 2021. So overall, no, the tight end grouping for me, I mean outside of maybe Musgrave it just kind of sucked. It's a lot of guys that are going to play in 12 personnel, probably carve out like the way I kept describing them down there, Cody, was like, it's probably a group of guys that are going to have productive NFL careers five, seven, eight years, maybe longer, but I don't see them as being anything more than like 12 personnel tied into tight end in threes on the NFL depth charts.
1: And I guess, I mean, I, I don't really think there was a whole, I mean, there was really a whole lot of talk about quarterbacks. I mean, I think no. the biggest disappointment was, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good that we got that out of the way, uh, what are your guys' thoughts about Will Levis? That the fact that he, you know, didn't oh. do the Senior Bowl kind of dodged it. Um, it. It seems to be, you know, kind of what he's been doing, but he still seems like he's kind of a locked-in top five, top ten pick. Like, do you think it was a mistake for him to avoid the Senior Bowl, or do you think that it was smart?
2: So I could tell you the buzz down there at Senior Bowl um, amongst like scouts and various people, uh, you know, with boots on the ground that NFL teams were pissed off that Will Levis was not there. They were mad that he didn't go there and show out. Um, They can be mad all they want to, but if I was Will Levis, there's no way in hell I would have done that. If I was Will Levis's agent, I would have said, shit, no, you're not going to senior bowl. And the thing about it is is that if Will Levis was in an area where, like, say, Anthony Richardson, who's getting – he, he's being talked about all over the board. Maybe he goes top five. Maybe he goes top 10. Maybe he falls out of the freaking first round. If I was Will Levis in that type of value perspective where I might go where Jalen Hurts went, I might fall, Who knows, man? I mean, I might fall even further in the draft if I crap my pants at my pro day. I don't know. If I was in that type of conversation, I would have said, yes, Will Levis needs to be there. He needs to go to senior bowl and show that he is the dude and prove that, yeah, I'm head and shoulders amongst all these other guys. But considering Will Levis is getting talked about as maybe the first overall pick, top five pick, top 10, like nobody's talking about him as a guy that's going to fall outside of the top 10. Well, if that's the case, if you're Will Levis, what what else can you, can you do to improve your draft stock? If you're already be talking about it like as, as a top five pick or maybe going first overall, the only thing you can do by going to senior bowl, being put in... The weather conditions, it was cold. Um, who knows how healthy he is right now? And short week with, honestly, the other part about this, guys, is that the coaching staff dynamic at Senior Bowl changed this year from last year. Last year, they had the entire coaching staffs for the Lions, for the Jets, that were covering these teams. So you had continuity in coaches, uh, the OC for – the same team is running that offense that, you know, you have a continuity between coaches on how they want to run practices, what do they want to see out of these guys, what type of systems that they, they're they all comfortable with and they're all used to coaching. This year's setup, they had coaches from every other team. It was like, there's a secondary coach from this team, there's an offensive coordinator from this team, this guy's being the head coach this week. There's no telling, like, I was curious how that was going to work out throughout the week. I think that We didn't see that spill over into like a sloppier game than like, you know, usually in these collegiate all-star games. But what you did see is I saw throughout the week that I felt like there was less energy, less cohesion in some of these practices where I'm not saying they were run sloppy. But if you were comparing one of these, either one of these teams practices throughout the entire process in this year's system versus a practice that was run by Deuce Staley and basically Dan Campbell behind the scenes last year. It's not even a freaking comparison the amount of energy, the amount of cohesion, how fast and tempo these guys were moving from spot to spot. You know, so if I was Will Levis or his agent, I'd have been like, hell no, I am not going to senior bowl. So I think he made a smart decision because the only thing he could have done down there was to hurt his draft stock and not help it. But I could definitely say that the, the rumor down there, or at least the buzz down there, was that NFL teams were not too happy.
3: All I know. Is that he puts mayonnaise in his coffee and that's that's enough for me to
2: Oh uh, Cody, no I'm one... gonna I'm gonna throw up in my mouth. I can't even talk about it. That's so <laughs> don't want anything. that's so unbelievable. And I like mayo. Like I'm a dude that like I like mayo on my sandwiches. Just the thought of that <laughs> makes me want to freaking throw up in my shoe. I can't. Uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh-uh. Ugh. That is that is horrifying. It's what, the me vomiting in my shoe or the mayo in the coffee or both? Maybe when the coffee, like how do you even get
1: to that point where you're like, are you sitting there? You're like, that's, that's, I want to try this. Let's see what it see what, see what it's
2: like. I, yeah, I don't know. Like that just feels like something like, I, I, I don't know. Like Will Levis was having a really, really good night. Um, one night, uh, in college and at 4am decided to try some shit. I have no clue. Like I, how do you get to that point in your life where you're like, hey, you know what? I need some fat in this coffee. That's what this coffee needs. Like it's not fat enough. Give me just some straight up mayo. Womp. Like, nah. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Nope.
1: Nope. Nope. He. I will say he does feel like somewhat like Josh Allen in a way of just like. every like, universally everybody hates Will Levis. Like,
2: I'm curious where I come in on him because I haven't watched him yet. That that's on the the checklist this week. So polarizing players like this, I'm always curious where I'm going to fall. And sometimes it's right in the middle of the fence. Sometimes I land on the other side like Traylon Burks last year.
1: Yeah, it's just like, because like a year or two ago, like everybody was su- supremely high on Will Levis. and said, this dude's going to be a baller. Mm-hmm. And then he came out this year and didn't really play as well. And now it's like everybody's turned on him and was like, oh, this guy's trash. He's terrible you know, and everything else. And it's just, I don't know. It just feels a lot like the Josh Allen when Josh Allen came out, that everybody just, just buried the guy the entire Could time. Be. Now, Could am be. I saying he's going to turn into a Josh Allen? No, I mean, Josh Allen's an outlier. I mean, Josh, even just yeah. his career is an outlier. You know, even the first couple years in the league, he was bad and it's kind of turned around. But it just that's just the way he kind of feels that like he's trending where people are just, just dog shitting all over him, you know, just a you know, and yep. it started to turn into the more of the, you know, the, the herd mentality, where it's just cool to you know kind of sh- you know dunk on Will Levis. Oh, the
2: that, the echo chamber we see every single year about prospects. Yeah, the uh the the herd where it's like, well, this guy is good. Although we out we welcome different opinions about players and processes, but really we don't because if you're going to step out of line and saying that Will Levis could be good, we're probably going to toss you some hate and shade, and maybe the trolls come after your ankles. Like that's that's just it's every prospect season, man.
1: Well, yeah, we're 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 already to the uh which we've been here for the last couple of weeks. Uh to the uh this this uh, entire class is terrible. And uh, you know uh, I wait- was
2: told that twenty twenty-three firsts and dynasty were gold, Kev. Yes. And I now- was I was told they were platinum. I was told that you could not get a twenty-three first for even two twenty twenty-four firsts. I was told all of this <laughs> last year.
3: Yeah, we 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 talked about this. I think last week or maybe Dude, on one of the last. everybody shows, like... talked
2: about this 23 class is like it's it's legendary <laughs> oh my god you gotta get all these firsts and now everybody's like well the UBs are kind of they got questions those wide receivers meh the running backs they might be good but running backs they don't matter anyway
3: happens every year no next year man i swear <laughs> to god did you see next year's class
1: yet is this where that's we're at this. those are
3: the first you won those next year 2024
2: it's gonna be sick it's just it's ridiculous like it's almost like i swear it's like we get to this part of the year every year and through the draft process when players get hype like you see one side of the aisle saying tajay spears is the next hall of famer and then the other side's like He's terrible. I mean, come on. Like, uh, what are we talking about here? Tajay Spears, a top 10 back. Get, 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 get out of here. It's like, first of all, it could be somewhere in between. Second of all, yes, it's okay to like good players. Like, that's fine. You don't have to shit on everything. Like, it's okay to like talented players in the process. Like, what are we doing here? I, what are we doing? Yep,
1: that's, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, I do know B. John Robinson is going to be, so good. So
2: good. I haven't watched him yet. I, I, I'm I'm saving it for a good night. Hopefully he has tissues next to you because you're gonna <laughs> <laughs> What is that? Uh what is that movie out of uh oh geez. Um Jason Siegel. Um Are those happy tissues or sad Yes! Tissues? <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Are those happy tissues or those sad tissues? Uh forgetting love- Sarah Marshall. Yes, forgetting Sarah Marshall. I forgot the freaking title. Lovely. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't
1: know, because now, now it feels like this entire class should just be John Robinson, and the rest of it's terrible. Like I've seen people say that not one wide receiver should be drafted in the first round, and I'm like, oh, geez. get out, get out of here, stop it. Like,
2: I mean, dude, I, I, I was also told last year's process that Drake London could separate. I was told that Chris Olave couldn't break tackles and he was garbage. I was told that um, Christian Watson was just a small school raw guy. Um you well, know. I, mean, I think
1: I think last year's class is a good example because everybody shit on last year's class. So yeah, I'm and bad. then we have three guys.
2: We have three wide receivers that all crested 2.0 yards per out run in their freaking rookie season, which means great things for their future. You have a bunch of other guys that went above 1.8 yards per out run. You've got all these guys like, yeah, I I will disagree. If everybody wants to crap on this class, like there's guys like like Puka. I will have a ton of exposure to. We didn't even talk about one of my other guys who I don't think that he had he had a fantastic like blow you away week, but I love his profile because I think that one he's going to transition into being a big slot wide receiver at the next level and two I've got to go back once like websites get updated with breakout ages, he has early career production, but that's Xavier Hutchinson, man. I, l- I really, really like Xavier Hutchinson, like 97 percentile collegiate target share. Last year he was 24th in yards per outrun, fourth in PFF receiving grade. I looked at this dude like he was discount Amon Ross St. Brown. i watched his film and that's exactly how I felt. Like if you watched Amon Ross St. Brown's final two seasons at USC, the final season, they stuck him at outside wide receiver. He was black you go back and you watch the previous year's film and he was at as a slot wide receiver. And you're like, Oh shit. Like that's why teams like him. That's, that's that's why teams like him. And then he comes out. He doesn't test. Well, I think Xavier Hutchinson will test better than Aminrod did. And again, I, I think that he is awesome. And I think that he fits with this type of NFL. He's a versatile wide receiver. He could work from the slot. He's really good on short area routes. He's a bully with the damn ball in his hands, man. Like, He was 38th and 9th in tackles Forest over the last three seasons. So, two top 40 seasons out of the last three. He was 20 top 25 in Yak in each of the last two years. So, a guy that I saw, like, he didn't wow anybody or blow them away. Like, you're probably not going to see Xavier Hutchinson's name on any, like, senior bowl riser or love lists. But I really love his game. And I think that he's, again, another guy that probably goes – Maybe he sneaks, he tests well, and sneaks up to ra- round three. I probably peg him as maybe a, a late round three, round four guy. But again, same kind of spider sense vibes I got uh, out of a uh, ARSB is the same kind of stuff I'm getting out of Hutchinson.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and I mean, good news, and that's that's the other part of it too is that we haven't even got to the combine yet. Like
2: nothing, like we we have no. nothing, right? No, it's just, we don't.
1: I'm just gonna shit on it all. Let's
2: let burn it all to the ground. I mean, I just think it's funny, man. We're going to have – you're going to have good players come out of this draft class. You are – it's going to happen. We're going to have enough skill players that go within, like, the top two rounds, top three rounds that get enough draft capital that we're like, oh, we're excited about entering the process or have good landing spots. Um, You know, I think that's definitely going to happen. So, like, if anybody's just, like, fire sailing 2023 picks – I mean, shit, send them my way because I would not mind having a few different seconds for guys like Evan Hall that I like or Puka who are not going to go in the first round. They will not sniff the first round. Those two guys are probably late seconds in the process. They probably end up being late seconds, early thirds. So, yeah, if you can trade back in this, like I at certain points, I don't hate that. But again, this is a lot of like I'm saying this projecting some draft capital and we still don't know like we still got to get athletic testing out of these guys we still got to get pro days you know we're gonna still get a ton of stuff coming out of nfl teams that where we're gonna see edps and stuff go just fluctuate a shit ton but as far as the guys that i think we're gonna be talking about a lot in fantasy next year that's really them man like it's xavier it's puka um evan hall tajay spears I think Roshan Johnson would have had a better week had he not broke his hand on the first day because he looked like a beast in freaking pass, bro. Um, he ran hard, looked decisive. Kenny McIntosh looked explosive. Again, he popped up with a calf injury, so who knows how much that limited him, limited him throughout the week. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys I like in this, and just at Senior Bowl. So, you know, I also saw out on Twitter, people are like, yeah, Senior Bowl gets a lot of a lot of action every single year, but the real people know it's just a bunch of garbage. It's like, okay, sure, yeah. You just had on average like five to eight players from the go in the first round that have gone to the Senior Bowl over the last two to three years. Much less a bunch of like quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, uh, Debo Samuel, Christian Watson, a lot of other skill players that three have gone months. to the Senior Bowl at, exactly and played well. So I will push back against that damn narrative all day because it's
1: I cool. mean even guys that like kind of made a name for them. I mean Damian Pierce uh, was that guy last year, you know, yep. that, kind of, that that just got a lot of buzz and then you know,
2: I mean he was you know a first round
1: pick or second round pick obviously, but still yeah. like he was a guy that kind of that put everybody on their radar. He was able to put himself on the radar and stuff like that. So uh, there's definitely mm-hmm. merit to the Senior Bowl. I think I think I saw that tweet and it's just like and the guy just got dunked it's on by
2: a lot. Just, of it's just well, I mean people should be dunking on that because. It's just bad narratives. You know, it's like there's no substance to what you're saying. Like, if you want to sit here and put some facts behind what you're saying, like, say, like, hey, look at all these rosters and all these wide receivers. Nobody put up any kind of fantasy production, but you can't because it's bullshit. You know, if you have something to back that up, then fine. Tweet at it. I'm fine with that. Just back it up with something instead of sounding like you're talking at your ass.
3: Terry McLaurin is another name that just came to mind as well.
2: Terry's a freaking baller, man. Yeah, He crushed. Watson crushed. Damon Pierce crushed. Like you got guys every year that have been coming out of the senior Cooper bowl, Cop. man. Yep. I mean, the list, the list just keeps going on and on, dude. I didn't even talk about Brian Robinson. He went in the fourth round. He was a Tyler was,
1: Beatty. Man. I mean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that was your dude, Kev. You love the 190 Michael wiggle cats.
1: He he I did like score. He
2: did score a touchdown at
1: the the last gate week of the season. I do. I do. He he scored. Finally got but the what end zone.
2: team? What, oh, that was the, for Denver. Not even the yeah, team D- that Denver, drafted. Yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, most victory like that. <laughs> That's is Baltimore before. Stupid.
3: Before before this goes completely awry and Kev just goes on a on a half hour talk about baiting, how he has a chance a next baity, year. A, ba- a baity and, bender. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's throw out some uh, some dynasty buys and sells to wrap up the show, Kev. Since you are the dynasty guy, you are you are the you are the one who <laughs> who's who's all about that
1: dynasty life. Why don't you lead us off?
2: Dynasty so much.
1: I do. I I mean I love dynasty. Like it's like I if I could play any any format, dynasty is it. You know, dynasty. So if you is- could
2: play. If I told you you had to play Dynasty for the rest of your life and you could not play DFS anymore, Kev, you'd be all in it. You'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, man!
0: Pack
1: like my a bag pig and shit,
2: man! Like a pig in <laughs> shit, you know."
1: I just, I just love them draft picks, man. I love them picks. I just, love be getting picks, and I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm always be building.
2: I mean, you got know, You got to go for that youth, baby. You can't do. You can't do the Sneed, man. You got to say, "I love them picks."
1: Yeah, I do. I, I, I I'm a stand for picks, man. You know. I don't care about winning. I'm just always you. The can you gotta down the road. you gotta trade you know?
2: out of this class, Kev. You gotta get your 2024. Eventually, picks eventually, now. you know, I'm be
1: done with this rebuild. But I've been doing it now for ten years. But you hey, know, I'm, I'm still working it. Still working this rebuild. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, my uh, my guy is Cam Akers, uh, the guy I wanted, one of the guys I want oh, to talk about. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not jumping off the of Cam Akers bandwagon. I'm here. Y'all I'm know. staying on it. He's still young. Uh, you know, coming off that you know that uh, horrific injury, he came off of. And what a narrative for him last year. Went from <laughs> the, the lowest of lows. Looked like he was going to get cut. He was going to get traded. And then, at, you know, Sean McVay does Sean McVay things. And then Daryl Henderson is actually the one who gets cut. And then it's it's, it's wow. Cam Akers who all of a sudden, out of the second half of the season, balls out. Over the, over the week, uh, from week 13 on, he was oh the RB4 God. over that span. And so, you know, things you love to see. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, maintain you gotta you gotta keep going on you gotta hold on because some of these guys are able to turn it around and so cam Akers, i, I think really impressed me he's still young he's only uh what 23 about to be 24 years old so they're they still the youth there with cam Akers. and i honestly don't know if they even bring anybody else in you know maybe they draft somebody maybe they, they bring another guy in but sean mcveigh is returning to this offense so that that is good news for him and i think he could be the workhorse for this uh, for this offense right now and i don't think it's going to take a ton to acquire Cam Akers. So I like Cam Akers. I think he's a pretty solid buy right now on keep trade cut. He is wide or he is RB 23 right now, RB 24 off the board. And I think that is a little bit too low. So I like the value you're able to get for him.
2: I love Cam Akers, man. And I kept putting out all these like Cam Akers PSA tweets and people are like, ah, man, he's just not that good. Like he looks like crap. And I'm like, Do you realize over the last half of that, like the back half of the season, so weeks 14 through 18, you're looking at Cam Akers, and he was, where's he at, 28th in yards after contact per attempt. He was 5th in uh, missed tackles forced. And oh, let's just slide over here for a second. He was also... Oh, my stars, 10th in PFF elusive rating. Those are all sound like just like he's just washed up shit. Like, he's terrible, man. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Cam Akers is terrible. We need to just put him out in a pasture somewhere. Nah, man. He is a running back that came off of a horrific, nearly career, a career, well, put it, not a career render, a career altering type of injury. And what we saw was... The team was like pulling some BS, using Daryl Henderson, doing a lot of dumb stuff. And Sean McVay, even towards the end of the year, whenever they were leaning on Cam Akers, he said in interviews like, yeah, you know what? There's some things we should have done different with the backfield, i.e. we should have just let Cam Akers be Cam Akers. And so for everybody that wanted to give the guy a hate coming off an Achilles and then his playing time was up and down, there's so much stuff that happens in NFL locker rooms that we don't get privy to. Like maybe he wasn't 100% coming into the year. We don't freaking know. Anybody that tells you outside in the fantasy industry that they know they're full of shit. So we don't know all these different things that go on and where guys are at in being hundred percent or not, just because you're not on the injury report doesn't mean a damn thing. And it sure as hell doesn't tell you that. Is he back to bring being pre injury cam acres as opposed to down the stretch? We saw the team lean on him as their do it all workhorse running back and his efficiency metrics were fantastic. Like, I think that the thing about Cam Akers is that I'm not saying that you have to be a rebuilding team. I think that he honestly could fit whatever build you have for your team in Dynasty right now. If you have a rebuild, if you're able to get him for less than he's worth, okay, you're able to sit here and send a high, let's say a mid-23 second and you can get Cam Akers, which I don't think is insane. Some people might say, like, oh, that's low. Like, that's not enough to get Cam Akers. Is it? Because I don't know anybody out there that's, like, really telling you outside of, like, us talking about this on the show right now that's saying, go get Cam Akers because they've been burned. The narrative is different. Like, there's a lot of people that will say, look, after 2023, he's going to be a free agent. I want to get out. I want to get out before the stock falls. But if I can get Cam Akers, as, even as a rebuild team, and you can either side it one of two ways. Yes, he's young as I'll get out. So maybe he lands on another team and they pay him well or the Rams re-sign him. Or I can get him for, say, a second. And in midseason when he's the workhorse, I can get a 2024 first out of the damn deal. And maybe a first and some change, like a first and a third. That type of equity gain is a freaking win all day, every day. So, like, whether you're a competing team and you want to go get Cam Akers and say, look, he's a free agent after this year. All I care about is this year I can go acquire him for what I think is is equitable. And I think, Cam Akers, you get him for, like, a high first in 2023. You might be able to get him for, like, a 24 second and a third. You might, depending. And if that's the case, shit, yeah, man. Like, I want all the Cam Akers I can get. I'm fine with it.
3: And that's another one of those buys too. that like if someone has Cam Makers, they can look at that as like, oh, I'm I'm selling high and I'm getting out from under it cuz yeah, like, there's no lo- way that he plays as well as he did down you know mm-hmm. the end of the stretch. So that might get it that might get it done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you're looking at some type of like second and if your order is already In some, like, more casual leagues, you can get away with sometimes, like, just offering the the 23 second, and maybe it's a late second, and somebody, like, snap you know, accepts it or something like that, and after the fact, they're like, ah, shit, it's a late second or whatever, but some people might just take a second because it's a second, you know, so.
3: Yeah. I'm going to throw out a name here that I genuinely couldn't believe my eyes when I pulled up the old DLF. ADP for okay. for January. Genuinely could not believe this. Javante Williams is going off the board as RB16. Right wow. Now. Okay. Jeez. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about I... someone who who people are wow. talking about as potentially the dynasty RB1 last year. Like and, and like the very worst, wow. he was like, what, like RB5, maybe? I just yep. I just pulled this up too. At this time last year, Javante Williams was being drafted at the end of the first. His ADP was eleven point six seven. So he's like year,
2: what, RB three, RB five, something like that, Cody. Uh,
3: I yeah, it doesn't show me what uh positionally where where he was going in the
2: first round. He would have been probably RB three, right. only like no worse, RB5. Yeah, no, worse yeah, RB5. no worse than RB five. Yeah, no worse. no
3: worse than RB five. Sorry, I made and, to cut you off. No, no, you're good now. Like I said, RB sixteen, his ADP is forty three point six seven. Damn. So, like, I I don't know what his trade value would be. Like, this is one that feels like the like the trade value and like the ADP doesn't necessarily like match up because I can't imagine mm. anyone is trading him for like fourth round startup value. But if he's dropping all the way down there, like it is one hundred percent worth kicking the tires on. And seeing if you can if you can get a deal done.
2: Yeah, I mean I right now I pulled up my dynasty ranks and I'm like, I know I don't have Javante Williams down at freaking RB sixteen. There's no way in hell. I have him at RB9 right now in my ranks. So yeah, if you're getting RB two prices on Javante, to me that just feels like like it I, I agree because he got that, injured. Well, I so here's the thing. I agree with you that I think that there's a disparity here. There's a disparity between the startup market and the trade market in this one, because I, I understand why people are drafting him at RB 16. I don't agree with it, but it's because of the injury. Now, if you already have like pre-existing leagues and people have Javante Williams, I don't think you're going to get an RB 16 kind of value by right. somebody giving it, getting rid of him. Um, I still think that he's valued closer to where I have him ranked as an RB one in Dynasty, which means it's going to take a mid twenty three first may, and probably a little bit of change to get a deal done. I think.
1: Well, you're, I'm, um, you're also seeing with him too. Like I've, I've seen uh some people this, uh recently saying that the you know the Broncos should draft B. John Robinson. I'm like, oh God, come on, why? No, why would they do what? No. <laughs>
2: The yeah. Broncos need to draft. They need to draft um, a fr- another freaking wide receivers where they need to draft. Um, or they need to go out and get some other help like offensive line. Like yes, it's yeah. That's dumb. No, they don't that's need fine. to draft freaking Bijan.
1: So, D bro, who's your first one?
2: As far as what? Who am I? Who am I bringing up to for for tradies? Yeah. So the guy that I want to go out and I'm willing to buy aggressively. Is Chris Olave? I I I love Chris Olave. He track he checks so many damn boxes that it, it's ridiculous. As far as like alpha upside, I I think that there's lo- there's a contingent of people that will love Chris Olave. But if you look at all of his metrics from last year, they all scream that he's an alpha. That he's he's just a straight up alpha. And so we know that the Saints are going to go out and they are going to. Uh, address the quarterback position they're already talking about Derek Carr and yes fine Derek Carr could be serviceable enough I don't care if Derek Carr is gonna be fantastic what I care is that there's somebody that's good enough to just feed targets to freaking Chris Olave. and Derek Carr is good enough to do that hip shit he did it with Devontae Adams last year I think he can firmly do it with Chris Olave this year Jarvis Landry is out Juwan Johnson Alavin Kamara Rashid Shaheed, those guys are gonna be around him I doubt that the Saints are going to add anybody a consequence considering the wide receiver room or the, at least the wide receivers in free agency Maybe they add a mid-round guy or somebody tertiary to that. But you're looking at Chris Alave is going to be walking into an alpha level target share next year. Like we're talking 26-27% target share and he's already shown because down the stretch he wasn't fully healthy. He wasn't even playing a 100% route per drop back type of role. He wasn't sitting in the 70s to 75 percent range towards the end I think if you see Chris Olave in a full season sophomore season and I think this this is just a bigger point of go out and try to get and and when I say buy high buy aggressively these sophomore wide receivers that people are underrating because of uh, you know maybe their box scores like yeah now people understand that Christian Watson is that damn good but if you've got people that are sour out there like or not valuing Chris Olave as being a budding alpha, go get him. Like, I am totally fine with that. Like if you are sitting on the clock and you have like a late first, um, maybe a late first and a late second in this, this year's draft. And you're like, okay, do I go get Quentin Johnson? Do I go get Chris Olave? I could trade both these picks and get Olave. Go get freaking Chris Olave. Like I'm totally down with that. Um, And you could name this for like Olave and a few other guys. Like, Christian Watson's not going to come cheap. You are going to have to aggressively buy into him. Maybe there is uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers going somewhere. Jordan Love, you—I mean, kick yeah. the tires. But
1: Traylon basically,
2: Burks. the Traylon Burks is, is in that conversation too. I think Tim Kelly's hire in Tennessee is really good stuff. I really like what Tim Kelly did the one year that he was with Deshaun Watson and running that that Houston offense. So I think that is a good thing um, because, oh my God, I and, think I, I mean
1: Jamison Williams, and I was looking at like. True,
2: Oh dear Lord! Can we 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 we're gonna have to talk about Jamison Williams, but Drake London's the other guy. Go buy all these guys. Go get them. Go get them now. Like they all have alpha upside into twenty twenty three. But yeah, Kev, um, go ahead on Jamison Williams because I we're talking about some craziness out in the Twitter space. Um, people are worried about Jamison Williams because DJ Chark and Ke- and Caleb. You know, this is the the narrative street. <laughs> Khalif Raymond was running ahead of Jamison Williams last year. Of
1: course year. he was, because they're because the Lions are a smart franchise, and they they were not going to sit here and run him out there and 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 ramp him up like yeah. that. He was coming off a major injury that, that he suffered, but, you me. know, the, the same calendar year. Like that was smart. They they didn't yeah. run him out there. They 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 brought him back extremely slow. That's exactly what they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you what did people expect when he finally came back? He came back the last half of the, the last portion of the season. they think that he was going to come out there and know, he was going to start running one hundred percent of the routes and start saying ten plus targets? Like, that was never going to happen. Like, like they, they did exactly what they should have done with him. Uh, slow played him. Gave him a little bit of a little taste of the NFL. Gave him a little bit of experience. There were you know at that point. You know, I guess they were, and they were still fighting for a playoff spot and everything else, and so it just made sense for them to do that. Like, like that was smart. Like anybody who discounts what what happened with him this year and says that that's some sort of bust or he's you know he's a bust because of it, just get all the way the fuck out of here with that. Because it's just, it's I agree, so, I agree.
2: It's it's ridiculousness, and it's I, for a player that we have not seen play on the NFL at, at, on the NFL stage consistently in a full time role. You're telling me. That I can go out and people maybe have the heebie jeebies about the wide receiver that I had as my wide receiver two in last year's class, who should be untouchable and he's not. Hell yes. Send them all to me. That's fine. I'll take all the Jameson Williams. I mean, he flashed
1: in the the short period of time that he has. Like, he flashed what he I mean, the dude has speed for days. Like, I mean, he has game changing speed. Like, I, I will buy Jameson Williams all day. Like I, I think he is, uh, I, I had him as my number one, uh, wide receiver last year. And I, I still, yep. I think he I had was, London at one and I had
2: Jamo at two. Those are my top two guys. And I put them in separate tiers by themselves. Yeah. So,
1: uh, Jamison Williams is definitely a buy. Uh, the other guy that I, that I wanted to mention was Jacoby Myers. Uh, he Ooh, is listed, which i am always, I'm, I'm the Jacoby Myers stand, uh, I guess. Uh, so I will put that out there right now, but on keep trade cut, uh, Jacoby Myers is wide receiver forty-seven right now in dynasty, and I just think that's uh, uh ridiculous for a guy who played wow. in fourteen games last year, had sixty-seven receptions, eight hundred three receiving yards, six touchdowns. Uh, he was nineteenth uh, yards per route run, twenty-second target separation. Uh, this is a guy that commanded twenty-two uh, percent target share in this offense, played fifty-one percent of the snaps. He is a free agent now, and uh, I think if he lands in the right spot with a lot of, I mean. There are a ton of teams that are desperate for wide receivers. He very well could be kind of the Christian Kirk of this class, a guy who gets paid uh, more than what people are expecting, and Mm -hmm. he could absolutely go off. Uh, I love Jacoby Myers. He's always been in a bad offense at a really slow pace, run-first offense, and he's still been the alpha. And I think now if you put him in the right spot, if he lands in the right uh, system – in the right offense, like Jacoby Myers could definitely take off. Like I know, I don't think he's a an alpha wide receiver. Like he's not going to be, you know, some elite wide receiver one, but he could be a damn good wide receiver two. And coming and being valued at wide receiver forty seven is ridiculous. I know there might be some uncertainties. so maybe that's why his ADP. But this, I just don't feel like anybody ever really values Jacoby Myers all that much. So it's like, ah, it's Jacoby Myers, whatever. He's fine, but like uh, I, I just think he's better than that. And I think this, this, uh, you know, where he's currently being valued at is absolutely criminal.
2: I think, um, uh, do you want to, are we just rolling through buys, sells? We doing a bit of both here, Kev. Yeah. yeah we gonna... I mean, so one guy that I've, I've, I've really come around on after last year was Brandon. Iuke. And I have been trading for Brandon. Iuke after kind of fading him just because of the context of the offense for the 49ers of the past few seasons. But we're, I mean, Brandon Ayuk had a really good season this year. He's wide receiver 23 in fantasy. He's 19th in PFF receiving grade, 27 yards per route run. And the biggest thing that I want to, I want people to walk away with this. He had, he was eighth in open rate. Basically when he was open on his routes, how often that was happening. That was tied with freaking Devonte Adams. Like, I don't think we've seen the ceiling out of what Brandon Ayuk can be at the NFL level. Like he has that type of number one, could ascend to being a wide receiver one and dynasty type of talent. Um for a guy that okay, look, like he was he was wide receiver 23 and I just talked about all these metrics about how good he was about getting open and earning separation, but again, he was wide receiver 23. He was only 36th in deep targets and 30th in red zone targets. If his high leverage usage goes up and he had eight receiving touchdowns last year despite not getting the usage. So what does that say? Like he's got freaking talent. He can ran hot with touchdowns. That's also an indicator of talent as well. So you're talking about if his high leverage usage goes up or now people are catching up to it. I said a few weeks ago that T Higgins possibly could get traded. Now you're seeing that float out there. I think Brandon Ayuk, if he doesn't stay with the 49ers or if they're in a, in a money crunch coming up, He might not get re-signed by the 49ers. If he moves on to somewhere else and he is their undisputed number one wide receiver at the age that he's at, you could be buying in on a player that we have not seen the ceiling on yet, is young, could get a a second contract and be paid as an alpha wide receiver, and he's only 24 freaking years old.
1: Yeah, just talk dirty to me. I mean, just, just talk dirty to me right
2: now. I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to give you all the sensual loving, Kev.
1: Cody, do you, do you have another buy or do you want to... I
3: actually had a uke, so...
2: Oh, well... Oh, damn it. Sorry, yeah, Cody.
1: But...
3: No, that was... bad. No, that was beautifully and eloquently spoken, so I have, I have nothing else to add.
2: I think... Okay, so I'll toss in one more little tidbit. I am trying to get out of all of these cringiest shit running backs this year and i'm moving all of that for draft picks uh, or wide receivers right now so, so you mean like alvin Kamara? uh i'm talking about like aging guys like alvin, alvin Kamara, Pitt. nick nick sense. chubb uh before the the drop-off i still think that he's got one to maybe two more years people are not looking at that but he's right near the age cliff um and his efficiency dropped off just just a touch but nick chubb um yeah um alvin Kamara, dalvin cook joe mixon although the joe mixon thing the move for for joe mixon was to sell joe mixon in season so you might be left holding the bag but um joe mixon aaron jones i think has another maybe two years one to two years because his efficiency metrics are still really good but all of those kind of like aging running backs or the other guys like and, and I, I, I love the guy, um, I, but I have to say it because of the draft capital. Damian Pierce, Brian Robinson, um, Tyler Algier, these other running backs that played well, got volume, played extremely damn well. I like their, their talent. Like Damian Pierce broke a shit ton of tackles. So did Tyler. Tyler Algier was honestly one of the best running backs in football from an efficiency standpoint down the stretch. But the problem is with both of these guys or all three of these guys is that they have no draft capital. The draft capital behind them is like fourth round or later. Those are the types of profiles when you see um, either the front office wants to do something different or they get different coaches, bring in guys like Brian Robinson's probably okay for maybe this year because Antonio Gibson is kind of like his meat shield. Rivera is still there. Damian Pierce has a brand new coach. Tyler Algier is, I mean, was it fifth or sixth round pick? I I have to try to remember off the top of my head. I think he went in the fifth. I mean, that's not enough draft capital for him to not get cucked walking into the NFL draft. Like, who the hell, man? Like, Atlanta might just say, like, look, fine, we're going to get B. John Robinson. Like, I don't know what the hell Arthur Smith's going to want to do. Like, considering, like, he wants to build around the running game. Okay, well, now we need a tank. We're just going to fall in behind the tank. You know, so... I was super high on Michael Carter the year before. I was super high on like I like the talent, but I think we're looking at the same at similar corollaries between the draft capital not being enough to hold up. It happens every single year. You could talk to Michael Carter, you could talk about James Robinson, guys who have played really well and deserved to keep their damn jobs, but it didn't happen because they didn't have the draft capital and the coaching staffs that stayed year after year after year to sit here and help insulate them. So there's Are a lot. Are you
1: Isaiah Pacheco into that as well?
2: Yeah, you could put Pacheco in there. Although I think that Pacheco, I think Pacheco is a really interesting case in the sense that I could see Pacheco holding the job because Andy Reid is going to remain there and the other kind of key head marks that we see like going through the playoffs. Like we talked about this yesterday, Kev, his role changing last game running more routes, playing almost 60% of the snaps. But if I could move Pacheco right now, like maybe you toss in Pacheco and and your own third-round pick for this year, and you get a 20 first, I'd do that move. You know, things like that. Like, I would move Pacheco in the right instances, but if the return is not there, like a second or higher, um, then I'm not moving Pacheco.
1: So, the thing, like, I, I think, like, I... I, I would probably, I think, is a hold in my mind just because, like, the Chiefs have yeah. shown no, no. I mean, I know they drafted Ceh, but out really outside of that, they pretty much show no, no, no. Uh, like, I, they're not going to be a team that spends like a second or a third round pick on a running back this year. Like, it's not going to happen. No, um, yes, they, they they, they, they definitely could take another running back and like the, they have like two or three six uh, or something like that. Maybe they take one late. You know, who knows? Maybe that guy comes in. But I think Isaiah Pacheco, at least for another year, is safe. Um, for sure. Uh, so. I don't I don't view it as that, but I, I, I see where you're coming from. It, it's tough though with these running backs like Damian Pierce and Tyler Algier because on one hand you, you trade them, you move on from them, but I also think that some of these guys could just be good. We're also seeing running backs being drafted later than what we than what we you know. We're not really yeah. seeing first round running backs they got anymore. Though I do think B. John Robinson is going to definitely be a first round He's going to go in year. the
2: first round. Agreed.
1: And, and, and there are people that are, that are, like, mocking him. They're like the Bengals. And I'm like, he's not falling that far. Like, he's probably no, going to be a top 20
2: pick. There's going to be some
1: dumb NFL team. Who knows? Maybe it's the Cowboys that trade up. And I mean, Arizona, whatever.
2: And I don't it, even hate him going in the 20s. It's the problem where he goes in the, like... If he goes in the top 10 or if he goes in the top 12, that's the yes, part where like, I think like, he's cut like off. Zeke
1: and you know, like he goes Saquon. in the
2: 20, like he goes in the late teens or 20. I have no freaking issues with that. I have no issues. I
1: with I, that. I, I don't, I don't mind that as much now, but you know, I think we've seen enough that you know, you don't need to draft running back My, high, but, but regardless, but regardless of that, like, but I, I, I think Tyler Algier is probably safer than because they do still have the same coaching staff there. I would agree with you. Like, I think Damian Pierce maybe. Uh, shouldn't feel as safe for people that have Damian Pierce, and I don't mm-hmm. mind. Like, obviously, I've you can go out and see what you can get. You know, if it's something that you feel comfortable taking, take it. But I don't know if I would just be actively going out and trying to just move these guys just to move well, them because we think the sky is falling and that, and that they are going to draft somebody. I
2: else. think the move is to go move them for stable wide receiver talent, and that that that's the move I'm trying to make with some of these wide, like some of these running backs. Like, if you could move. Um So like Damian Pierce for, uh you probably couldn't get Christian Kirk for Damian Pierce. Maybe you could. I would I would take Kirk, if you could go even on a like a re like, if you have a contending team. Here here's an interesting one, guys. So tell me this: Damian Pierce came out at the hype. He played well. Would you move Damian Pierce to get Calvin Ridley? Because I I would I would go get Ridley. I'm not the I'm not the
1: person to ask about Calvin because I I know I I. I am very skeptical of what to expect from Calvin Ridley considering how long he's been out.
2: Would you move Damian Pierce and I'll kind of drop down like Damian Pierce for Jerry Judy or Michael Pittman or even Rashad Bateman?
1: Absolutely. All day. Yeah.
2: But I think those are moves that you can make. You could probably move Damian Pierce for Rashad Bateman. I think you could move...
1: Damian I Pierce. For Bateman. Bateman, I'm, I'm st- I, I don't know okay. what to, hell to expect from him, in but, but in that, but the other like, two for that
2: sure. low end wide receiver to yeah. high end wide receiver three range in dynasty with all those guys, like a Michael Pittman, like I would move any one of these guys for a wide receiver talent, or if you can get a guy that's undervalued, like um, like Jahan Dotson, first round draft capital. We know that the draft capital is behind him when he was given opportunities, he flashed this year. I would try to like maybe add a third or a fourth to something like this, depending on who we're talking about here and go make that type of move for a wide receiver that like has the capital, has the profile. He hasn't fully broken out yet, but the the opportunity is there. You know, I think those are sounder investments than me tying my my wagon to a fourth round running back or a fifth round running back. Now, if this was a second or third round running back, it's a different conversation. But guys that go in the fourth and fifth, Like, I wouldn't want to be tying my wagon to any one of those guys, like Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, those types. The thing with them
3: too, is, like, that's always going to be an issue, right? Like, even if they play well next year, it's still still always going to be that thing of, like, man, but they were, you know, day three picks. So I do just want to jump in real quick because there was somehow we didn't talk about this running back during that that entire listing of them, and I thought I was going to get sniped again by Debro, but Josh (laughs) Jacobs – Okay. I'm looking at uh, trading away Josh Jacobs. He's oh God, RB10 yes. in in mm-hmm. DLF's January ADP. And I don't even necessarily think that he's like mispriced there, just because of the like the the layout and the. Did you say RB10? Out. RB10, yes.
2: Okay. Okay.
3: Um, but I, I think it just has more to do, with just like the state of running back, right? Like we have a couple young guys, and we have a lot of aging running backs, like you were just talking Agreed. about, but. And, and he's been he's been solid as well. He's been no lower than RB 15 and PPR points per game going back mm-hmm. to his rookie year. Obviously, this year just absolutely blew up finishes RB three on a points per game basis. And I, I think with Jacobs, like you can kind of wait to see what happens with the free agency between where he lands. If he stays in Las Vegas, like if they get uh, if they get Aaron Rodgers out to Las Vegas, his price is going to shoot up. So he's someone who I definitely be. I wouldn't put him out on the block just yet. I would wait because even he's if he leaves Las Vegas, he's likely going to go to a better situation, right? Like it's not like we looked at that Las Vegas offense last year and we're like, oh hell yeah, like let's 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 go. We want to buy into a bunch of those pieces, um, especially at the the end of the year, right? We thought it was going to be a, a better offense, but Jacobs is a guy who I think I would try and capitalize on the year he just had and the fact that I think we're going to see him get a little bit of a bump in free agency, almost like no matter what happens unless they just completely fall flat on their face in terms of uh, quarterback if he ends up staying in Las Vegas.
2: I agree with you on on trading away Josh Jacobs, and I have him rated as... Yeah, I think Dynasty, the running back position in Dynasty is fully in flux. That's why I talked about getting rid of all these fringy guys. It's because I think that we're seeing a huge changing of the guard with fringy guys and aging stars that really... Unless you're, like, inside that top five or you're, like, you're Kenneth Walker, you're Travis Etienne, you're maybe Mondre Stevenson. Like, there's not a lot of running backs I'm trading for in Dynasty right now. I'm moving more of these guys off of my teams. And with Josh Jacobs, my biggest problem with Josh Jacobs right now, and yes, I have him ranked around the same spot, Cody, because... It's just how the landscape shakes yeah. out yeah. the year that he had as young as he is. You can't rank him any lower than an RB one. Like you, you can't, you know? So my problem with him though, is where the shit does he go? That's a better situation than the Raiders that actually has money to pay him. Like here's, here's the top teams in salary cap space. The bears. No, I don't think the bear, they're not spending money on Josh Jacobs. The Falcons, I doubt it. The Giants, probably not. If they do, it's going to be on Saquon. The Texans, no. The Bengals, no. The Seattle Seahawks, no. The Patriots, shit no. The Ravens, I doubt it. Then you have the the Raiders, the Lions. I doubt the Lions would take on a contract for him. The Cardinals, they still have Connor. The Chiefs are not doing that. The Colts have JT. The 49ers are not doing that. The Eagles, I doubt it. They're not a franchise that's going to sit here and pay a running back. And then you got like the Broncos, Commanders, Jets, all these other types of teams. It's like, I don't know where Josh Jacobs lands where a team actually has because I just named off the top 16 teams in salary cap space and some of those all the way down to 16 only have $11 million in cap space to pay Josh Jacobs and to say – He goes into a spot that's even as good as what he just walked out of. Like, I don't know where he goes that it's actually a good thing for him. So for me, I'm like, shit, sell, sell, sell. This is probably a career year for him. This feels like a DeMarco Murray type of year where the team is like, we're going to run your ass into the ground and maybe your injury risk after this high freaking usage season You could be like, you could deal with injuries the following season because of how much work he took on this year. So the youth could be, could be that the youth equation—if he's hurt or dealing with nagging stuff because of the workload he just like absorbed this year—because Josh Jacobs is not freaking Derrick Henry. He's not a mountain man that like we've already seen him get dinged up in previous years. You know, so just because he stayed healthy-ish this year and soaked up a massive workload does not mean that he's going to stay healthy next year. And I honestly looking at all of those freaking teams, I can't tell you where he actually goes. And it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's it's gonna be interesting because I think even like the Giants, I think what offer only offered Saquon twelve million dollars. Yeah, by, I think a year. Which like is I mean put this way,
2: where do you think he lands, Kev? I want to know that. Where do we all think if he does not go back to the Raiders? Tell me where y'all think he goes. That's not named La- Las Vegas. I, I I I'm having a hard time here. Like, uh, may, uh, maybe the Ravens.
1: Like I can't see the Ravens doing that. We're still having Jason Davis and you know, I mean, uh, I
2: maybe the Falcons, maybe I, I, I don't think the Giants do it. The Texans I mean, all these teams are not going to do it. Or the, they the, have young guys.
1: And I, but I, I think the other factors, uh, factoring point here though, is probably also going to be that I think the market could. Because I think there's a lot, like like I said, like I think there's a real possibility that the Bengals could cut Joe Bixon. I think there's a real possibility. Oh, I think that
2: is. I think that's definitely going to happen. I think there's a real possibility it, the
1: Vikings could cut um Dalvin Cook. It, it could cut Dalvin Cook. They could save a lot of it. I think there's a real possibility if the if the Packers trade. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, or they cut Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, yeah, got hit this year's twenty million dollars. Like you they're not see paying Aaron Jones the, the,
2: the running back landscape change, and not for the good for most of these guys. Right, like, like I my my theory right now is the Bengals cut Joe Mixon, um, or they keep him and they roll. I I, I think the Bengals draft Jameer Gibbs. That that's that's my thing. I think that they're going to get a guy that works well in their passing game. And I think that Jameer Gibbs probably falls into a spot in the draft where they can move up, move back or whatever to get him. I think that happens. Um, but yeah, I'm totally with you. Like I, if Dalvin cook gets, gets cut, if all these other running backs get cut, hell, even the guys that are going to be free agents, the Deontay Foreman's of the world, the miles Sanders of the world, like the chiefs could go out and sign miles Sanders. So to, it's to a reasonable deal. Who knows, man? Like, all of these guys, like we're going to see so many landing spots get even muddier because of the rant, the running back landscape this year. And you add the draft on top of that. I just don't see where Josh Jacobs ends up in a better spot next season. I don't see it.
1: No, you pretty much have to hope that he lands back with the Raiders. I think
2: that's it. That, that is the best case scenario for him, for the Raiders to do some dumb stuff and re-sign Josh Jacobs after running his ass into the ground for a career season it would be the most Raiders thing to ever do. But it doesn't
1: really feel like the real Patriot way. Right. Like it's like, they, like for them to go out and do something like that. It feels like, you know, that they would be more content with running with, uh, you know, drafting another running back and, you know, they have Zemir White. Yeah. You but got, you got, you,
2: know, you got Davis factoring in there. Like, is it the Patriot way to go trade? Like your, your capital for freaking Devonte Adams. You know, I think that there, there's that factor too.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, you can see. So I do think there's a lot of uh, differing scenarios here with this running back position of how it could play out this year. So um, I do also uh, – we don't have to really get into it, but I, I do think Khalil Herbert is also a really good sneaky, uh, you know, uh, by candidate as well uh, yeah. there in Chicago. Okay. Um, Khalil Herbert played really, really well this year before he got injured. Uh, Dave Montgomery has gone, and, you know, maybe they don't go out and really invest in a running back, you know, especially early in the draft. I don't think that should be any sort of – um, high priority for them for a team that has as many holes to fill as they do um, there. Now I do think they'll trade back if they're smart. Uh, it sounds like in all accounts that's what they're going to do, acquire more draft capital. But I do think Khalil Herbert, who uh, is being valued at like a, a RB forty-ish range, I think uh, could end up being a really uh, you know a short-term buy, not something that's long-term, but something you know at least just for this next year. Uh, I think you could uh, look, look to buy him as well.
2: I, I like that call. I just. I look at Khalil Herbert as being the Spider-Man gif with Tony Pollard. Like that's, it's, it's, it's a guy that's been stuck. Who's been behind a, a plotter grinder, you know, whatever kind of, you know, whatever title you want to use that's used around the industry, slow volume back. Like, I think you're looking at a guy that's also been trapped, you know? So I, I don't hate that at all. Um, I'll throw one more name in here. Um, as a guy that I think that was on the precipice of really, really breaking out, but you never saw all of it align with touchdown equity and things like that. Because if you look at his deeper metrics, he, um, he has a, a really, really good ceiling that I don't think that he's even come close to accessing. Um, Now, some of this could be the quarterback play that he's, he's, you know, dealing with. Um, So we'll see what that ceiling looks like. But as far as the talent goes, I I'm gonna go out and try to get um some Pat Fryermuth. Um, if you look at a lot of his different metrics, they say this dude is really freaking good, and he has a higher ceiling than maybe we think. Um, he was seventh in PFF receiving grade this year. Um, you go over to yards per route run, he was also solid there. He was eighth in yards per route run, right behind Kyle Pitts, right behind T.J. Hawkinson, and it just it, it comes down to the fact of, OK, if anything happens, if if George Pickens doesn't turn out to be that guy and I don't I don't think he is, if George Pickens does, doesn't turn out to be that guy that everybody wants George Pickens to be and Deontay Johnson still keeps being Deontay Johnson and he's an inefficient as hell with every bit of volume. I think Pat Friermuth is honestly a dark horse candidate to lead that team in targets next year. And. He's not being valued like he could step into being like on the the fringe of those elite guys, but his numbers say, from an efficiency standpoint, he has that type of talent to basically just be, maybe like this year's like next year's Dallas Goddard, like he steps out and he's a top five tight end.
3: The only yeah. thing that worries me with with Pat Fry is the concussions.
2: Yeah, but I think, like, we could we could build stuff like that. Like, he could, yes, is he more susceptible or has a longer recovery time from the concussions he's sustained? Sure. He also could be, like, never sustained another concussion in his career. I, You know, I think a lot of those things are, are I'm not going to say they're random, but guys piling up a ton of them in, like, maybe one year, I think is more of a, a possibly, like, a noise data point than it is to say it's substance. Yeah, I just went
3: from the standpoint of, like, that's the only thing that would stop me from going, like, all in on him.
2: Yeah, but I I, I don't think he's a guy that you're going to have to go all in. Like, I don't think that he's going to cost you a lot. Titans just don't cost you a lot in Dynasty. I mean, what do you think it takes you for you to get Pat fryer right now, Cody? Like, a, a late 24 second? Um, I was going to say probably... probably
3: a 2, a 2 plus... Yeah, you I know, mean, obviously it all depends on because I'm in a couple leagues where like you don't have to start a tight end. So and you know, you know what I mean. Those ones going to be different than yeah, tight end yeah. But
2: like a a and, a, a, a yeah, one a that you plus. have to start a tight end, and I think that you're really looking at. We talked about the changing dynamic of of running back in um in dynasty circles. You see the same damn thing for the tight end position. It's like after. You know, it's like, how long do you do you think Travis Kelsey continues to ball out of being in the alpha? I think he's got a few years left, but the dynasty community, I mean, maybe not. Who knows with his age advancing? TJ Hawkinson's in a good spot. Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard. But then you drop off after that, George Kittle's getting a little bit older. We know the injury history. Run first offense. What happens with Trey Lance? David Njoku is really good is deshaun watson just crap at this stage well i was about to
1: ask i was actually gonna ask that too do do you think deshaun watson's a buy because i think that he is
2: i i think he is in the sense of you're gonna get him at his damn floor like he can't look any freaking worse than he did last year you know i'm not even gonna talk about like life stuff and all that kind of shit that's been talked about and you know I, i think the guy is scum but in right. Yeah. I'm not course.
1: talking about that perspective.
2: Yeah. Obviously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My whole thing is I think that you're, if you're getting Deshaun Watson in Dynasty, it's at his floor. If he plays like crap, he continues to play like crap, then fine. You know, whatever. But I think that there's more upside than there is downside at which you're probably going to have to spend to get him on your team. He, I mean, where's he at in, in startup ADP right now, Kev? Probably like what quarter? I mean, he's probably floating anywhere between. shit, what, QB11 and maybe in the QB2 range, depending?
3: I'll I'll pull it up here. Um, I'll look at I'm curious because I'm pulling
2: up my ranks. Like, I've got Deshaun Watson as my QB11 right now in Dynasty. He's right behind Dak and Kyler Murray. And, I mean, honestly... He's going...
3: He's going as QB twelve in uh, yeah. DLF's uh, January Superflex ADP.
2: I think, and, I mean, I think a conversation could... for him to be anywhere at like a QB QB as high as QB eight, maybe even QB seven, you could, or he could get back to that point.
1: I I, I mean I think there's there's scenarios where he gets higher than that, where he gets back. Yeah. To, you know, he could be a top three or four quarterback, and and, and he could you know. I mean, I, I think that's definitely the range of possibility. But I mean, that's where he was at pre, prior to all this stuff happening. And, you know, I, yes, and he looked bad last year. There's no, like, sugarcoating it. There's no, you know, anything uh, when it comes to that. But, you know, this is still a player that was off for over two years, uh, you know, out of football for a really long time. Obviously, self-inflicted. Uh, but regardless of that, uh, he was still gone for two years. Uh, he's obviously not going anywhere. They're gonna put. I think they surround him with more offensive weapons uh, than what even what he is now. And I still think he's uh, you know with Amari Cooper and David and Joku and even um, and Peoples Jones on to some extent. Like they add uh, you know another weapon or two uh, there to that offense. And I think he's in a good spot. But I just I felt like he's somebody that is still even at uh, QB eleven, QB twelve. I still think that's that's lower than what I think his uh, his ceiling can be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I look at his ceiling. I look at his ceiling probably at like reasonably, probably QB, QB five, QB six, maybe. Like, you're not going to put him above Josh Allen. You're not going to put him above Patty Mahomes or Joe Burrow. I won't put him above Jalen Hurts. Um, then it, it kind of falls into the like the Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Lamar kind of conversation. We, so, I mean,
1: we have to remember. So, 2018, he was top five. He was uh, fifth in fantasy points per game. Uh, in 2019, yeah. he was second, In 2020 he was fifth. So, yeah. uh, outside of last year, um, even even his rookie year where he only played seven games, he was higher than that with 24.7. Like he's been a he's been a top five fantasy producer every single yeah. year of his career outside of last year, and we're in the six games that he played. Now again, he was looked really really bad last year, but uh, even still, in only the six games that he played, he still had 175 rushing yards last year. Um, you know, he so he still has that 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 four or five hundred uh, rushing yard upside in him uh, as well. And I think you know, after a full year of you know full offseason season, being able to kind of go mm-hmm. through everything, get get all this stuff behind him, um, and uh, be ready to go next year, uh, I just think that he's a uh, a strong buy at, at the quarterback position.
2: I mean, I like it, and I think the other thing about it is, too, is that you also can play the narrative that, here's the other thing, man. We know that the Browns are going to be committed to Deshaun Watson. They have the money sewn up. That's not going to change. What could change, if Kevin Stefanski has another lackluster year and this team just stalls out and doesn't do shit, they're going to be looking for another uh, coach after this year. So that's the other narrative of this. Could he get a better offensive system after this year? You know, so I I think that you have a lot of outs um, in your favor if you're trading for Deshaun Watson and Dynasty, and I think that the, the price is going to be again, he's going to be in the low end QB one conversation. So I even think that it's feasible if you wanted to tear down from somebody like you wanted to tear down from a from Lamar Jackson to Deshaun Watson and pick up. You know whether it was a first, um, like a twenty-four first in the process. Um, I think that's that's a move you could do. I think that you know you could probably tear down. Like if you wanted to tear down, I think you're going to get more um, extra on the side. But if you wanted to tear down from Trevor Lawrence, I don't hate that move either because as good as Trevor Lawrence is, and he was fantastic, he has to stay on that type of Joe Burrow level. Esque production level, whether it's passing touchdowns, things like that, to really access and remain inside of that top five conversation amongst quarterbacks. Because really, if you don't have enough of the rushing equity, the chances of you getting into uh, the top three, the top four is really slim unless you're going to run, you know, unless you are in an offense like you basically have to compensate with massive volume and passing touchdowns. And it's like, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't keep that up, he could fall back into the 7-10 the to 10 range. So, yeah, I mean, I don't hate tearing down from T-Law or Lamar and going to Deshaun Watson, because I think you probably could get a good bit of sauce on top of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's super small sample size, obviously. But we did see him start to trend up uh, the last two weeks of the year, because he was uh, QB 8 and QB 6 uh, over Week 17 and 18. So... Um, I know there's a lot of, oh, he's, he was just terrible all year. Um, he did start to play a little bit better, you know, as, as the season progressed, as the last few weeks of the season. You know, like I said, I mean, this is a guy that that missed most of the year because of, obviously, the uh, rightful suspension that he got. So, I mean, it took him, obviously, a while to kind of get, get, get things back in the flow. So, I'm just saying, I just feel like Deshaun Watson is somebody that, um, I think, just looking at kind of what his ADP is and where he's coming off the board. That you know, I think there's a higher or a much higher ceiling there for him, and that you can get on him uh, early and be able to buy him at, at a lower price than what he normally would be.
2: I'm kicking this this guy around in my head right now, but i I want to throw the, I want to toss this to y'all. What are your thoughts? What is your thoughts on Russell Wilson? Because last three of his last four games last season, he was a top five quarterback in fantasy to close the season. You got Sean Payton who's used to working with smaller quarterbacks and making, you know, use of their skills. You got goodish weapons around him. I don't know, man. Like I I kind of struggle with what he's going to do and what he kind of looks like in Dynasty. Like I don't hate possibly going out and trying to trade for him. Broncos country.
1: Let's ride. Um <laughs> This is
3: kind of wild. This is um Again, Superflex ADP from DLF for January mm-hmm. QB seventeen, which whatever, but at the end of the fourth round, I would I'm buying at that price.
1: Yes, if, if yeah QB seventeen, yes, I think you could definitely buy that because I, I I don't know, like I I'm not going to sit here and say that Russell Wilson's dead, right? Like I I think that is somewhat premature. I think with the right system. Uh,
2: is that QB 17 including the rookies or are we just talking about vets? I do not think this
3: includes the rookies yet.
2: Okay.
1: So then I would just, you know, but regardless, I, I think that, no you know, in the, the, those, those four games that he played in, uh, two against Is the that
2: Chiefs. A, I would have him at QB 16 then if that were rookies. So I'm like, I'm kind of in line with it, but go ahead. Sorry, Kev.
1: No, I was just saying two of those games were against the Chiefs. And the last one was against the Chargers, um, where, you know, he produced, uh, like, I, I don't mind it. Like, at, at that cost of, of, what, of what you're trying to uh, acquire him there, yes, I think you could look to buy him. I do think the Sean Payton, um, I would be interested what it is at, at, at the end of February of what his ADP will be, because I think sure. Sean Payton coming there is going to drive his price up, because people are going to believe uh, that he is uh, a, a QB god and is going to turn him around and uh, get all this on track. Um and so uh, we don't have to get into what my own true thoughts are on Sean Payton, but uh, you know, I think Sean Payton is a, is, is a adequate coach. I think he is a good coach. Uh, I don't think anyways.
2: Uh, I so I think there's equity though, Kev, like what you're saying, like to get him because so like I reworked my dynasty rankings, including the rookies and I put, I put Bryce young, I put CJ Sprout, CJ Str- Sprout, fuck, I can't talk CJ Stroud, ahead of him and i put will levis and anthony richardson ahead of russell wilson because if they all go in the first round in superflex they're going to carry more value like i've got russell wilson at qb 20 right now i feel like there's equity there man like if he put if he turns in two more like this year and next with say Peyton with two more top 12 qb seasons and you're getting him I mean, imp- people might even have Aaron Rodgers ranked over him, Daniel Jones, things like that. Like outside of startups, like you know, or at least how they view these guys. Like, I don't know, man. I think there's some equity to be had because you're getting him, whether trading or startups, you're getting him at like back end QB two price tags. If he even gives you low end QB two QB one production for the next two years. I don't know. It feels pretty good.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, what do you think it would cost to acquire them?
2: I think you're either going to have to tear down or you're going to have to prop. I mean, I think right now, put it this way, if all the the first round quarterbacks are gone. So like in your draft this year, you're looking at, I'm going to have to pull up. Like y'all, do y'all have rookie ADP for DLF up? I'm trying, I'm still trying to get a sense of like where that's going to kind of fall. Um, here I can pull it up real fast. Okay. What are you What are you looking for? Rookie ADP, um, but I got it pulled up here. So, superflex rookie ADP. If you're looking at like you're in a superflex rookie draft, and all of these guys log me in. Come on, DLF, do your thing. Who Who are you all looking right. for? If you're in a, in a in a rookie draft right now, and basically all the 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 first round quarterbacks are gone. I don't mind trading like a back into the first, like a, a late first if you need help in the quarterback position. And like JSN is gone. The other, like the the, the four quarterbacks are gone in the first round. JSN is gone. Addison is gone. Bijan Gibbs. That's what four. We're talking about like you're at pick 111, 112. I think you can get that done. I think a late, a late 23 first to get Russell Wilson. If you have a need at the quarterback, you're looking good everywhere else. Obviously, you're drafting that late. If it's not a pick you acquired and you're a contending team, you'll probably have a pretty damn good roster anyway. So, like, w- would y'all trade like a late 23 first to, to get Russell Wilson? Apparently, this is a good question. I wasn't expecting to get just silence. <laughs> got both of y'all thinking hard, man love to see it
3: i would definitely want maybe like a a small piece back um i think it's also one of those ones that like really depends on the state of your super flex ross you know what i mean man
2: well i mean yeah i mean what i'm saying is in, in this scenario would you want hold up i'm looking for yeah so Basically, at the 1-11, one 1-1, 112 right now in, in rankings, um, which is probably going to follow some of the ADP, you're looking at a smattering of, like, Zach Evans, Josh Downs, Sean Tucker, Charbonnet, A-Chain, Boute Like, one of these kind of guys that's going to go in that range. Like, assuming that right. Richardson, Stroud, Young, Levis are all off the board. Bijan... Gibbs are also off the board. JSN is off the board. Quentin Johnson is off the board. Like that scenario, you're basically saying, okay, like starting, it looks like at like the 109 to, well, like the one the 110 to 112. You're looking at some smattering of saying, okay, I'm either going to go Michael Mayer or I'm going to take a shot on one of these wide receivers or running backs. Um, or do I trade for Russell Wilson and I have a needed quarterback? I, for me, I think right now, if Mayer is going the quarterbacks and I'm sitting at the 111 right now, I'm probably trading for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Because I think you can make that move, and even if you're putting a little bit of something extra with it, Cody, like, it can't be much, right? Like, a third, which is basically like your hit rates on thirds are crap anyway. So if you're throwing in a third or a player that has the value of a third, it probably doesn't matter much in the in the grand scheme anyway.
3: Yeah, once you, once you put – names to it it makes that trade a lot easier
2: yeah so I, I just a quarterback that i think like in superflex people talk about training quarterbacks like it's so freaking easy or that you you no. know the it is not <laughs> training quarterbacks in superflex is not easy at all Like nine times out of 10, you've got to send a quarterback back to the other team because they don't have another quarterbacks. Even if it's a QB three, they want a quarterback back. So you're making assumptions that they like the quarterback you might want to send back to them or they have enough depth that they'd be willing to deal a quarterback like making quarterback trades and super flex is hard as shit because there's so many variables that people talk about. But it like really when you come down to the nitty gritty, it's not easy to make those trades. So it's like, I think Russell Wilson is one of the few quarterbacks you probably could go out and actually make a trade for because people are like, he's bad. Even if Sean Payton is there, do I think that like he can fix him? He's not super, super young. But if you get a two year window, like you get Tom Brady type of production and maybe not like top five or this bad, but like somewhere in the middle of that, like low end QB1 production out of Russell Wilson for the next two seasons, I don't know. I think it's worth it. Yeah.
1: Well, (laughs) <laughs> we almost we almost made two hours you know i mean here we are you know but a lot of good conversations were had um, so i think this is a
2: me and kev problem because maddie's not here and yet we almost made two hours and i'm not gonna put that kind of shade on cody so uh it, shit it might just be a me problem who knows
1: well i mean i think we just enjoy talking football and so you know i uh, just I, though- I
2: just enjoy talking to y'all kev
1: that, that that is what it is actually yeah, you know it is i'm just i'm just gonna it's throw a beautiful that face that's it's 100% what it is so
2: anyways d
1: bro appreciate you coming coming on uh talking giving us the senior bowl lowdown uh for this year and then uh we'll definitely have you on again because uh we talked about it before i think uh i actually smoked you and the uh little uh, uh show that we did uh early in the last off season <laughs> With everything. Uh, I pretty much just <laughs> nailed every one of my calls. Uh, per useful. you, Man, I per was you. right. You know, and per you. So yeah. that worked per out you. perfectly. Um, you know. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll definitely get you on again at some point this offseason. We we'll definitely want to uh, do some more other stuff. You know, we have we haven't even scratched the surface for the uh, rookie talk for this year. Oh, uh, nice. We're just kind of getting into it. We want to do the Senior Bowl first. Got that out of the way. So we got that out of the way now. So now it's going to be kind of set, setting our. Uh, you know where we are at with the rookie running backs, the wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, all that stuff. So we got a lot to discuss. So, but anyways, I appreciate you uh, coming on with us as always, always um, do. you know, uh, be sure to check out all of DeBro's stuff over at the fantasy pros feed. He is on, uh, you know, w- w- pretty much everywhere. It sounds like uh, he does dynasty stuff for them. Uh, he writes all kinds of stuff for them as well. So um, he's still wrong. That the Eagles are going to lose this weekend, uh, but other, th- other than that, uh, I appreciate everybody checking it out. I appreciate everybody rocking with We'll be back again next week after the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Have a good, have a good, have a good weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll be back again next week. Goodbye.
0: Closing time.